Um, I, I really feel um, that this is a key word for us uh, as a congregation. I really feel the presence of the Holy Spirit here with me. And I believe that if we can hear this and understand it and apply it to our lives, that we will, um, it will change our lives. It will change the way that we follow Jesus. It will strengthen us in a great way in our fight uh, and in our walk with Jesus. And so I want to start off with a couple of um, questions. The first question is, what is reality? Who can tell me, what is reality? Close? What you can see, what you can touch. So God isn't real then. So it's more than what you can see and touch. Okay, okay. So, so what is reality? Something that's not dependent on us. It's independent of us. Yes, it is. A truth. Declan also guessed that one. We're coming. That's the second question. Something that can be proved. Can we prove God? But he's real. Yes, Gavin? What you perceive to be real. Mm -mm. Now, I'm asking about what is reality. Who can help me? I mean, please, Mike. Everything that fa is factual. So, reality is what you run into when you're wrong. Let's say, for example, I believe I can fly. And so I climb up onto this little thing here, and I decide to fly. The floor is reality. <laughs> Gravity is reality. My lack of wings is reality. And so I will fall like a stone, and I will run into reality. Reality is what is. It's what really is. So what is truth? If we had Pontius Pilate here, he would ask you the same question. What is truth? Yes, Josh. Oh my goodness, where did you hear that? Did you take my notes? It's prophetic. Okay. Truth. That was, that was almost perfect. Truth is an accurate statement about reality. So truth is saying something. Truth doesn't exist apart from words. Truth is an accurate sentence or statement or description of reality. So if I say... It's 20 past 10 on Sunday morning. Have I said the truth? Yes, because it is 20 past 10 on Sunday morning. Are you with me? Okay. Truth is what we can rely upon about reality. 
So now, I would like to ask you a question. What is a lie? There we go, Austin. Somebody is listening. A lie is a false statement about reality. It's a statement that doesn't correspond to reality. It could be false. It could be incorrect. It could be incomplete. So the truth is reality and lies are unreality. Are we together so far? I would like to describe another concept to you, and I am going somewhere with this. I would like to describe a concept of a mental map. A mental map. We all live according to mental maps of reality. A map is directions to get somewhere. Anybody got Google Maps on your phone? I had to go somewhere the other day. I put in the place I was going, Gordon's Bay actually. Uh, we were looking for the petrol station in Gordon's Bay. I put it in. We were, I know you didn't hear from us, apologize. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, and I was somewhere in Somerset West, and it took me through the neighborhood. I had no idea where I was going, but I was following a map to get to a destination. And all of us in our minds have got maps or collections of roots or ideas about what is real. Assumptions about reality. Working theories about that are based on some kind of experience or evidence about how life actually works. All of us have got ideas or maps about how to be happy, for example. We believe that if we do certain things or, or believe certain things or live a certain way, that it will maximize our joy and our happiness and our peace, both in this life and in the life to come. Our mental maps are like reference points in order for us to navigate life. Are, are you with me so far? Some people call it the way that we view the world or our worldview. And it includes what we believe about everything. About God, about ourselves, about each other about what's important, what's valuable. Some people call it our faith. What we believe to, to be true and how we live in light of what we believe. We live in a world of ideas. And every day we wake up and we navigate our journey based on what we think and what we believe. Sometimes our mental maps are correct ones. So for example, if I want to get to Trekestelis in Bloberg, I like it there. I like the coffee and I used to like the croissants. I would leave here, I would turn left, 
go all the way around to the T-junction, I would turn right, I would get to the traffic lights. I would turn right, and I would go straight over the next, all the way, and I would probably get there because I have an accurate mental map of where Trachistelis is. The problem is, is when we have an inaccurate map. Let's say, for example, I thought that I would have to go that way instead of that way. Would I get to Trekistelis? Yes, I would, because there's another one in Canal Walk. <laughs> I'm just blank. We have maps for all of life. We have maps about money. We have maps about sexuality. We have maps about relationships. We have maps about government and democracy and human rights and equality and freedom. All of these are maps or ideas about how life should work. Even theology is a map. Those are our ideas about God and about how we should relate to Him and His people and His church. And these maps that we travel on in our lives have far-reaching consequences because they determine our destination. Now, if, we, if our maps are true, we arrive at our intended destination. If our maps are not true, we end up off the road in a wasteland of pain and ultimately death. Now, I want to give you one more uh, definition, one more term, one more thing to think about. So we, we've, we've spoken about reality. We spoke about truth and lies. We've spoken about mental maps. And the last one I would like to speak to you, it's a term that I learned very recently, and it's a term called spiritual formation. Can you say spiritual formation? What does spiritual formation mean? And yes, I'm going to pull reality and truth and lies and formation and maps all together for you in just a second. What does spiritual formation mean? Anyone? No, it's not the sum total of the other things, but good guess. I like the enthusiasm most of it. Dan. Oh, yes, Chantal. Yes, it's, it's, it's close. It's close. It's unity. No. But good guess, Sean. There we go. There we go. I asked Dan because Dan taught me some of this. You have to give credit where credit is due. Spiritual formation means that we are becoming something or someone. Every step we take, 
every decision we make, everything we look at, every conversation we have, every image we think about, every prayer we pray, every, everything, every rand we spend, every thought we think, we are becoming something. And the answer is, who, or so the question is, who are we becoming like? Now I'd like you to, to read with you uh, John chapter 8. Can we bring up verse 31 onwards? Let's read this together. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. What does truth mean? An accurate statement of reality. If you know the truth, the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. That's interesting, given their history in Egypt. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. Can I just ask you a question quickly? Um, all the slaves, just stand. Thank you. You're welcome to sit down again. We're all in good company. Me and my fellow slaves in Sunningdale. Let's continue reading. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. It's interesting. I noticed one or two people didn't stand up. I won't ask those who are free to stand up in, yet. I know you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are ready to kill me because you have no room for my word. I'm telling you what I've seen in the Father's presence, and you do what you have heard from your father. Okay, no, but hold on. Jesus is speaking. He says, I'm telling you what I heard in the Father's presence. But you do what you have heard from your father. Are we talking about two different fathers here? Okay, so there's two fathers. That's important. Because in our spiritual formation, we are becoming like our father. I haven't said which one yet. Let's keep going. Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do the things Abraham did. As it is, you are determined to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the things your own father does. We are not illegitimate children, they protested. 
The only father we have is God himself. How many of us believe the only father we have is God himself? Oh, please, can there be more hands? Okay, we need this breach. Okay. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God, and now here I am. I have not come on my own, but he sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. Is there more? You belong to your father, the devil. No wonder they didn't like him, eh? And you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. Say that. There's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. Say lies. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. So there's two fathers. There's God the Father, who is the Father of Jesus Christ, and He is the Father of all who love Jesus and do what He says. And then there is devil the Father, who is the Father of all who believe His lies and do his lies. In our spiritual formation, we are becoming like our father. If we follow Jesus in spirit and in truth, this is how we are set free to live in line with all that God says is good and beautiful and true. If we follow the devil, then we become isolated by him into lies. And we become deformed into the image of the devil. And we become enslaved into a cycle of sin and disorder and death. Was that heavy? Nobody said, ooh. So, we hear the good news of the gospel. We hear about God and about Jesus and how God sent His Son Jesus to come and to pay the price for our sins. He came and He lived a perfect life and He died on a cross and, and He calls us to believe in Him because He paid for all of our sins. And, and we hear the gospel and we believe it with our hearts. And, and somebody tells us the gospel, preaches the gospel, and we believe it, and, and we want to follow God. We want to be forgiven for our sins. We want to go to heaven. We don't want to go to hell. Am I describing things accurately? And so we believe, and so we, we pray a prayer. We say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to be yours, and please forgive me for my sins. And we repent, and we, and we turn to Christ. And many of us think, that's it. It's only the very beginning. 
the next number of years that you have to live until you die is following Jesus. And every step of the way, you have a choice to be formed like Jesus or to become more unlike Jesus and ultimately to stop following him and to fall away. And in that struggle, we have three enemies. In that walk to follow Jesus, we have three opponents. And I want to talk about those. But before we talk about them, because it's been a bit heavy, we're going to play a game. I need somebody who's relatively uh, young and fit. And uh, yes, Leroy. Okay, here we go. Leroy, as you can see, he's dressed in white. He's just been forgiven all his sins. He wants to follow Jesus. Leroy, are you willing to, to volunteer? Thank you. Thank you. Okay. I'm going to give Leroy a very simple task, which is follow Jesus. Okay? Now I need somebody to be Jesus. Uh, Joe, perfect. Yes, please. Come and be Jesus. Joe is one of the most like Jesus people that I know, so that's why I chose you. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, except, except he has no beard. To be like Jesus, he should have a... Maybe I should have chosen Jordan. Okay, so, 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 um, um, it, this is going to be a very simple task, okay? You have to follow Jesus. Uh, Jesus, you are going to go that way. Right, oh, 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 not yet. Please, please, please. The father hasn't finished his sentence. <laughs> okay, no, wait, wait, wait. wait. Uh, so, so, you're simply going to walk... That way. Is that okay? Yes. Uh, but before you do that, <laughs> so enthusiastic. Before you do that, could you just, just sit here with, with uh, Leroy? It's very simple. There's nothing to worry about. <laughs> all, all I need you to do, Jesus, walk slowly. Just go out that door there that says exit. Is that okay? Father, I need full instructions. You want me to go up that way? Yes, please. That, that way. This. Yes, please. I'm glad I can hear you clearly, Father. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Follow Jesus. Okay. L Leroy, I don't think you understood what I... I, I 
<laughs> okay, okay. So, Leroy, okay. <laughs> you, you, you're not going to win against Basil. I'm just saying. Okay. So, so, Jesus went there, and I'm telling you, Leroy's full intention was to follow him. But he ran into opposition. Do you get it? Firstly, in the front here was the devil. <laughs> then, all the way behind him was everyone following the devil, which was the world. And then he gave up, and he was just listening to his own flesh. Like, I don't want to get hurt. I saw Basil. <laughs> Does that make sense? Okay. Now I'm going to give Leroy a little tip. Is that okay? Okay. Gideon, Krika, help, help him get through. Go in front of him and help him get through. Okay. Jesus, we need you. Jesus. Okay, okay, same, same game, okay, Jesus, off you go, Leroy, follow Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. <laughs> well done, Leroy. Well done, Jesus. Thank you. So that is to illustrate something very true. Well done, Leroy. In our desire to follow Jesus, we've got three enemies. The devil, the flesh, and the world. Okay? I'm going to talk about some of them just for a little bit longer. What I want to try to achieve today 
is, to, is what Leroy got the second time around. There's an enemy. I can't do it on my own. I need some help if I'm going to succeed in following him. If we understand that, we will have a much better chance than if we saunter in our, and get completely knocked over, which is what happens with most of us, including me. Let me tell you some more truth, if I can. As believers in Jesus, as Christians, as disciples of Jesus, we are exiles in this world. This world is hostile. The dominant values that run through our culture are counter against opposite to Christ. Every day is a war. Every day is an assault on our faith. Every day is a fight to stay faithful to Jesus. Every day is a fight to remain sane, happy, at peace, in joy in the Lord. So let me describe quickly the first enemy for you. His name is multiple. He's the devil. <laughs> the Bible calls him the Satan, the evil one, the tempter, the destroyer, the deceiver, the great dragon who deceives the whole world. The ancient serpent who leads the whole world astray. <coughs> Sorry. He is the source of evil. He is the ruler of this world. He is the prince of the power of the air. He is the spirit that is working in the sons of disobedience. He is the God of this world that has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The word prince of this world, that word prince is the word archon. That is the highest ranking official in a city or in a region. Satan or the devil is the most powerful and influential creature in the world. He has drifted from his God-given purpose and charter, he was made by God to be an angel, to be the, in charge of the worship 
to God. But he drifted from that. He desired position and power. He wanted to raise himself up against God. And so he now uses all of his skill and intellect in order to tempt human beings into spiritual deformation. He rebelled against God's authority and God's rule. He seized the world's throne for himself, and he is currently enlisting as many people as possible to follow him away from God. Throughout history, he has led many to seize autonomy from God to redefine good and evil as they see fit. He is behind all evil in the world and in history, having motivated it. And his goal is to spread death. John chapter 8 verse 44 says, For you are children of your father the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. His purpose, he comes, the Bible says, to steal kill and destroy. Could you say that for me? John 10.10, 10, Jesus says, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. He is anti-life. He is pro-death. He is pro-chaos. He is anti-God. He is anti-love. He wants to wreck your life. He wants to wreck relationships. He wants to break down communities. He wants to destroy nations and generations one at a time or as many as he can at a time. That is why following Jesus feels like a war. The devil himself and all of his followers are against you. They are opposing you. And so you feel torn constantly. You feel pulled in two directions constantly. Am I describing it accurately? You torn between desiring to love on the one hand and having lust on the other hand. You want to be honest on the one hand. You want to save face and seem better than you are on the other hand. You want self-control, but you want to indulge yourself. You want faith, but you want to be independent of God and believe whatever you want. And there is no way out of the fight. To be an apprentice under Jesus means to become a soldier in the war. 
There are no sideline jobs. There is no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God and counterclaimed by the devil. So how does he fight? How do his followers fight? The answer is lies. He's the father of lies. He is the origin of deception. His signature move is deception. Has anybody seen the Karate Kid? Do you remember he walks on, walks off? Mr. Miyagi, the good father. I forget the name of the other guy. It's not important. It's about, it's about a, a young boy who grows up in, in this neighborhood and he's being bullied by these guys who go to this karate school and then he gets saved by Mr. Miyagi, this little Chinese guy, I think. Might have been Japanese. I don't know. Japanese. Okay. And, and he's a karate expert and, and, and he's so nice and, and kind and he teaches the, the, the boy how to, he trains him for a competition so that he can fight and win. And the first thing that he needs to do is he needs to know what kind of fight are you going to be in and what are the moves that the other guys are going to use. And then he has to train, wax on, to defend, wax off. Okay. But the problem we have in our fight is we don't know what our opponent is like. And so we get taken down by every punch. Now I'm just describing my life. We believe lies again and again and again. And we wonder why are we so down? Why do we fail? Why do we feel like we, we, we're not worthy? We feel like, and, and, then we, and then he lies again. He says, oh, you're no good. He first tempts you to sin. He says, you will be happy if you just. And then when you obey him, he says, you terrible. That's okay, Vince. And he, and, he, and he puts shame. He says, oh, you can't tell anybody. Stay in the dark. It's safer there. Another lie. Anyone who sins is a slave of sin. And that's his goal, is to enslave you, to, to bind us up in our sins. And keep us isolated in the dark. But Jesus said, I am the way 
and the truth and the life. Jesus said, I have come that I might destroy the works of the devil. Jesus said, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And that sounds wonderful. And we're all excited and it is wonderful. But the devil lies again. And he says, you can get that freedom and it's going to be easy. You don't have to work. You don't have to think. You can just believe. And you can do nothing and you'll be fine. I'm going to just end with one story that's going to help us to understand how to fight. Can we do that? And it might be that in the coming weeks we'll talk a little bit more about the flesh and about the world and so that we can be more equipped like Leroy was with people around him to be able to get through and to make it through the world, which I can tell you is no mean feat. There was a, a man, uh, a monk, who lived in the early church times. And his name was Evagoras. Okay. Anyone ever heard of Evagoras? Yes, you have, George, because I told you. <laughs> and I've heard about Evagoras because Dan told me to read a book about him. And... Evagoras decided, he, he was a monk, he wanted to follow Jesus, and he read in the Bible that Jesus was baptized in the water, and then he fasted for 40 days, and he went out into the, into the wilderness to fight the devil. And so Evagoras decided he was going to fast and go out into the wilderness and fight the devil. And you know what happened? He started winning. And so everybody thinking this was a crazy little monk, when he came back, he was full of the Spirit. He had overcome in many areas of his life, and he started to teach people how to overcome, how to get through the crowd, how to stay close to Jesus, how to avoid the temptations of the devil and of the flesh and the things of the world. And Evagoras wrote down for himself a little manual for fighting the devil. And that manual became what is known by the church as the seven deadly sins. Anyone ever heard of that? Most of us have. Okay. He took the sins, he took the, the temptations that the devil spoke to him, the lies that the devil spoke to him. And next to, next to each lie, he wrote down for himself from Scripture the truth. 
don't worry, you don't have to do this. It will only help you to succeed against the devil. So you don't have to. I have. I would encourage you to. Write down the lies and then next to them, seek the scriptures, find the truth, and write them down. And Evagoras's technique, his fighting technique, was called speaking to the devil. Where did he get that from? The Bible says Jesus went into the wilderness and he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. And he didn't eat anything. And by the end of it, he was very hungry. And so the devil came to him. What technique, what weapon did the devil use? Ideas. Lies. Thoughts. He said to him, if you are the son of God, prove it and turn these rocks into bread. What weapon did Jesus pull out? No physical weapon. He pulled out words, ideas, truth. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And he won. And Evagoras decided to use exactly the same thing. Do you know what happened to me when I started to do this for myself? I get tempted on, in all sorts of different ways. You guys, it must be much more easy for you. I get tempted with everything from food to, I mean, anything you can imagine that you get tempted with, we all are being tempted with. Because the Bible teaches us that when you're tempted... You must know this. Number one, you are not alone. All your brothers are being tempted in the same way. Can I tell you something? I had coffee with a friend of mine in the week. Well, it wasn't a coffee. It was a, it was a carrot juice. It really was a carrot juice. Um, and we sat there over our carrot juices. And, and, and I, I said to him, hey, bro, you know, how's things going? Whatever. He said, yeah, in this particular area. You know, yeah, it's so hard. I'm really battling. I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. Let me tell you what the devil tells me in that area. And I started to list like 30 or 40 lies. He looked at me like this. How do you know? I'm like, but we're all the same. The devil tells us all the same thing. It's not that now that, you know, if you're an elder or you're a com leader or now you're in a different character, now you're immune. No one is immune. You're not the only one. Do you remember at the conference, those of you who were there, Hannes standing up. Do you remember some of the stuff that he said? Anybody ever had the same thing? The devil tell you the same thing? All of us. All of us are in the same boat. And so what Evagoras did is he started to list them for himself and then he wrote down the truth and he would speak the truth and you know what happens it starts off very 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 difficult 
it starts off difficult because we are used to going in a certain way and because we have made decisions according to that lie for years. And when we decide to start to follow Jesus, we face resistance and it's hard and we have to suffer we have to go through pain in order to follow Jesus we have to deny ourselves, which is not easy we have to give up the things that we like that are pleasurable that are nice that make us feel nice we have to go against the flesh we have to fight. But slowly but surely, as we speak the truth, as we speak the truth, as we speak the truth, we start to win. And we start to overcome. Jesus made many promises to those who overcome. Leroy, last thing when we're going to close. Go for a walk with me. Go for a walk with me. Does this look like overcoming? No, this is going for a walk. <laughs> Sean, Basil, help me. Provide some resistance for Leroy, please. Right, let's go for a walk, Leroy. No, not me, him. Come on, Leroy, overcome. Leroy, you can do it. Yes, you can do it. Come on, Leroy. Joel. You didn't overcome, Leroy. Come on, man. Overcoming is not easy. Overcoming is a fight. Thank you, Leroy. Guys, here's, can I, can I share just quickly the heart of God? Get back in the fight. Get back in the fight because it matters. Every time that you give in, you are becoming like your father. Every time you overcome, you are becoming like your father. It matters. It matters more than you know. The Bible says those who do not overcome, those who continue to, for example, commit adultery, have sexually immoral thoughts, to think lustful thoughts, to look at the wrong things, those will not inherit the kingdom of God. The devil says to you, it's fine. You're okay. You can have that and Jesus. You can follow him just from a little bit further back. He's lying. If you continue, he who continues to sin like that will not inherit the kingdom of God. Will not inherit the kingdom of God. Is it worth it? He tells you it's worth it. It's okay. You won't lose your inheritance. Get back in the fight. Follow Jesus. The devil tells you you will never be able to overcome. 
you will never be able to overcome. You've tried for years. You've failed this far. It's only going to stay that way. He's lying. He's lying. How do we overcome? How do we overcome? Like Leroy did. He can't do it on, its, on his own. He needs the Holy Spirit and he needs his brothers around him. What do we need in order to overcome? We need the church. We need to walk in the light with our brothers and sisters. And we need the power of the Spirit. I can't do this thing on my own. I need men around me speaking into my life. Lucas, I'm seeing this in you, bro. Because you know what? Our hearts are wicked and they are deceitful above all things. And our hearts want to believe the lies of the enemy. That's why they're so powerful. His lies are not, Elvis is, is still alive. You know, like, what? So what? His lies are, you will be happier if you eat that croissant. It's a lie. It's a lie because I nearly died of a heart attack from the chuckles and the croissants. He was trying to kill me. It's the, I'm telling you the truth. It's okay. Keep eating. It's nice. It's tasty. Yes, it is nice and tasty. And it's clogging up my heart and I nearly died. And that's just this life. He's telling you it's nice, it's tasty, keep looking, keep participating, keep doing it. It's okay. No one will ever know until you get to that day. And what will he say? Those who follow me obey me and do what I do. They don't do what the, the, uh, that other father does. Are we together, guys? God is for us. Yes, Delia. Um, so probably about two years ago, um, through a series of things, I um, discovered that I had allowed fear into my life, um, and I'd had some prayer for it, and, um, and it actually was quite um, kind of entwined with my worship journey. Like every single time I'd get up and do worship, I'd get off the stage and it would be the same voices in my head. You did that so badly. Nobody could worship because of you. Like it was the same. And it was, it was my, it was such a reality in my head. And, uh, and, then I'd, and then it would come to Monday and I'd sort of forget and it would be like, okay, no, it's gone now. And then the next time I was on worship, it would be exactly the same thing. And then I'd get to Monday and it would be like, no, no, it's actually okay. And then... Um, God gave me a dream the one night, and I'm not someone that has, like, um, hugely prophetic dreams, and I dreamt in my dream that I was sleeping next to a tiger, and there was, I was so comfortable in the dream. I remember this feeling of all I wanted to do was I wanted to snuggle closer to this thing, and I could hear his voice. His voice was so soothing, um, and I remember I woke up, and I sort of thought, oh, my hat, was that, like, a dodgy dream, or what was that? And then I thought, in, in that moment, I thought, let me just Google. And I Googled, what is the significance um, of a, a dream? Uh, what's the spiritual significance of dreaming on a, in, of a tiger? And the first thing that came up 
was a tiger represents a significant fear. And in that moment, I felt like the Lord said to me, Delia, you've allowed fear to become, you've become bedfellows with fear. And you've allowed fear into the intimate places of your life that is for me only. Um, and it was like, it was, so, it was so subtle, it was so subtle. I'd never, I never, I didn't look like a fearful person and I wasn't someone that walked around, but it was such a subtle lie of the enemy and it had kept me at my whole worship journey, like it, it, it held me back. Um, and it's been amazing since I've, I saw it for what it was and I repented for believing that lie and allowing that thing into the intimate places of my life that is reserved for Jesus only. Um, like so much has changed. My whole worship journey has changed. What you see on a Sunday morning is it's not me. It's like I look at it sometimes and I think, who is that person? Um, but it's, yeah. So um, let's, let's finish with this. <clears throat> I'm, I, I'm not going to uh, ask for a response now. I'm not going to say, come up and let's pray for you and whatever. What I'm going to ask you to do is to start fighting for yourself. And what I mean by that is whenever you get a moment, your, your time on your own, your time when you're quiet, when you're, you're alone with God, your quiet time, maybe go, when you go home tonight before you go to bed, whatever. Can I ask you to just do this? Get a book or an iPad or whatever you use. And write down, what are the lies that I have believed? I, I, we recently did Power Through Position. And I realized personally that there were a whole lot of lies about my worth and value that I had believed that weren't true. And so I've written them down. And in each of the areas, the, the areas where you constantly are falling, the, the area where you, you are enslaved to sin, the area where, write down, what am I believing that is making me do this or continue in this? Does that make sense? I, for a long time, was enslaved to physical, gratifying my fleshly hunger for sugar and everything, chips, sweets, whatever, for a long time. Okay? I haven't had sugar probably for since beginning of August now. For a while, I'm, I'm living differently. I'm living free. I don't actually want it okay, at the moment. Okay? I'm, I'm aware what's going to happen when I walk out of here. So I'm, I'm living free of, of that unhealthy food, okay? But why was I constantly eating that? Because I've, I believed certain lies that, number one, I deserve it. I, it makes me feel better when everything around me is a bit stressful or whatever, and I would comfort eat. Do you understand? And so I believed that it wasn't having an impact on me. It, it, it's, it doesn't matter. Does that make sense? What are the things that you, where the devil has been lying to you? Write them down. That's the best place to start. And then 
with somebody else. Start to write down the truth about those lies. Is that practical? I remember I sat on Friday, last Friday, and I, and I sat with all the guys in our elders team, and I started to read them some of my little Evagoras book. And the guys were like, yo, that was so helpful, that was so useful, because they're going through the same thing. They're being told the same lies. Does that make sense? Okay. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your love. Thank you, Lord God, that for showing us, for reminding us that we have enemies. Thank you for calling us to follow Jesus. Help us, Lord Jesus, to follow you. Help us to come alongside one another, to really um, overcome. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.